Hello, everybody, and welcome once again to Retro Review with Rob and Terry. I am Rob. And this is Terry. And Terry, we're going to be bringing episode 89 tonight, and we are going to shake up the format a little bit for tonight um, in light of, of certain events. So, Terry, I'm going to let you take it from here. We're going to, we'll come back and do everything, but we're going to start off in a different order. We're going to start off with our Hero of the Week. Yes, uh, Hero of the Week, just uh, going off of what happened recently, uh, NFL and all the people supporting Damar Hamlin and his family and friends as he goes through this traumatic life moment. Uh, this was, I mean, they're going to be our heroes of the week if we had to pick somebody. But if, as far as you probably know now, people listening, Damar was involved in a collision during Monday Night Football, which caused him to collapse and go into cardiac arrest. He had his heart stopped twice, but first responders were able to get it back, and he's currently getting cared for in Cincinnati Hospital. The condition most doctors are thinking it is is what's called commodio cordis, which is that's when there's a sudden direct injury to mainly the chest during a specific part of the heart rhythm, and that if it happens, it can cause an immediate cardiac arrest. Uh, it was visibly jarring watching him collapse the way he did, uh, and it was scary. But coming out of all this, uh, the one good thing has been that it's seeing all the great love and support both financially and emotionally given towards Damar. Um, people coming together and the outpouring concern for this young man has been amazing. There's been almost $7 million donated to his charity it's so incredible. far. Yeah, Damar created the Chasing M's Foundation to use as a vehicle to bring lasting impact uh, to his community. The foundation supports toy drives, back-to-school drives, kids' camps, and more. His original goal on that GoFundMe page, 2500 bucks. Oh, my Lord. It's so amazing to see the outpouring of care and concern from... And it's coming from all directions, too, exactly. which is amazing. And uh, go ahead. The NFL, the NFL also, uh, for their part, did the right thing, and I mean that in all caps, right thing, and stopped the game that night. Uh, the coaches immediately talked and agreed adamantly that the game shouldn't go forward that night. And uh, so I think that was the right decision, and Rob and I can definitely say that our thoughts and prayers go out to DeMar and everyone in his life as they go through this difficult time, because this is just... It was scary to watch and scary to think about and uh, just count your blessings. Yeah, I wasn't watching the game live. I was actually up at Crystal Salon working on some stuff, and uh, Zeke actually messaged me and said, hey, somebody got uh, – uh, you know what? Actually, I actually checked this. I was checking our fantasy score, and it said delayed. And I'm thinking, oh, I wonder if they had lightning or something. And, That's exactly how I found it. Yep. And then Zeke texted me and said that uh, that he had been that there was somebody who was, had to be carted off the field. And so then I went and looked, and I'm like, oh my gosh, seeing the hit. Yeah, it was just a normal looking football hit, but the the way he stood up and just fell over backwards is just terrifying. As a parent, it, it was pretty awful. I can't imagine what it'd be like to see your your child out there and have that happen to them. Um, it's just one of those. It's just a like you said the I, the. Uh, say the the commodio cordis commodio cordis right. yeah and as i was watching that video that instantly popped in my head because i've actually read about this uh to in length prior to this and it happens to young men typically 
the usually the average age is around 15 but he's not that far away at age 24 but taking a direct hit right to the chest right at that specific part of the heart rhythm right. like and let's say we're counted out of 100 that heart rhythm little area is probably like five percent getting hit with the right amount of pressure on top of right. it uh and also at that moment in the rhythm can cause cardiac arrest immediately and if they're not if they're life-saving measures nearby when it happens it's very likely a death sentence yeah it's uh the young man's not out of the woods yet anytime you have to have cpr administered there's that's you know that's a last ditch effort to save your life and um mm-hmm. so he's got a long road ahead of him um we was i was able to find out just a you know a matter of hours before we went on uh this recording that he his family he released a statement saying there are some improvements doctors are seeing some things that are good markers for potential recovery he's still in intensive care he's still in critical condition but some of his vitals vital signs are returning to normal and like i said the man's going to be in the uh he's got a long road ahead of him to recovery but uh, if you try to look on the positive, he's got the outpouring of love and concern and prayers coming his way. He is employed by the NFL, uh, so the medical costs are going to be something that's not going to cripple him for life. Um, I would imagine no. this is a workplace injury. The NFL will be covering those Absolutely. medical expenses. Uh, he still will receive his salary, so you know his family is this depending on his income is not going to be uh, traumatically disadvantaged because of this injury so i mean if there are positives to take for him to end from what i understand he's a just a great guy everything i've read about him is that he's a you know an upstanding man and um you wish you know you don't wish this on anybody but you definitely um feel a little bit more when you know that the person's actually genuinely good-hearted person and uh like you said with the toy drive and uh the way people are stepping up and uh it's 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 good to see, and I'm sure his family appreciates that. His family's even come to the uh, defense of T. Higgins, who was the wide receiver that was involved in the play that, that Hamlin was trying to tackle. Um, some stupid, idiotic sportscaster had tried to blame Higgins uh, for hitting him like that. Really? Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, come on. That's a normal right. football play. Yeah, I'm just and, – and his family's like, no, that's not his fault. Uh, do not do that because imagine T Higgins is already feeling guilty enough, and if you were involved in something like yeah. that, um, dude, I can't imagine what he's gone through just knowing that was him that hit him. Which I guess this kind of leads me into my one and only rant this week. And like I said, we're gonna get to all the rest of the stuff later, but you know, I think I was pretty. This is I've never seen anything like this. I've been watching football my entire life. I've never seen CPR administered on the field. Uh, and the whole time I've watched this video, I'm like, oh my God. Because you know, I watch it and I see what happened. And you're like, what are you trying? And then you watch it again to kind of see, oh wow, that's what. Mm-hmm. And then you realize, did I just watch somebody die? You know, and I don't want that to be, I didn't want, so I mean, this is a, this is a big, as sports fans, this is huge news. But so we're going to get to the rest of our, our, our normal scheduled podcast. But I did want to lead into a rant. And that is, I, Terry, I'm just, I needed to see all the loving out. Uh, pouring of support for him because I needed that to counterbalance the freaking vultures online who see any opportunity, any tragedy in the world, any incident that, that garners attention to jump up on their uh, pious little soapboxes and spout their stupid 
stupid theories and their hateful targeting of people. I've seen it from both sides. You immediately had the knuckleheads and idiots who, as soon as he goes down, saying, "Oh, it's the jab, it's the jab, it's the you know, it's the vaccine, you know, it's the vaccine." We don't even know if the man was vaccinated. You have those yeah. idiots spouting off at the mouth all of a sudden, and then you have Which the other doesn't ones. Doesn't make any sense, right? The other ones who just want to be like, well, that's what you know. That's what football is. That's what you get for playing football. Um, when are we going to talk? And then trying to blame the NFL for this freak accident that happened. I'm like, this is an accident. They could have been playing. You know, it wasn't like, you know, his sixth concussion or something. It was a freak play that happened in the middle of the game in a contact sport. And these, and like, uh, I think it was, and I, uh, I wish I wrote down his name because I want to say it, but I'm not positive it was him. And I get it wrong, and then I'm unlabeled. But it was a former player who blamed T. Higgins, and uh, another former player who said that uh, that this is just what the NFL is all about, and and trying to make anybody who watches football feel like they are somehow complicit in the fact that this young man is now sitting in a hospital bed fighting for his life, and to see these two people go back and forth at each other spitting off all these other arguments twitter was a cesspool for a little while other than the people shouting out and offering up prayers which is why i needed to see that yeah. because there are moments in time terry where i tend to despair for the actual humanity of humankind does that make any sense yeah that's kind of why i stay off twitter for the most yeah. part <laughs> there's a lot of bad ones out there facebook's not that much better but still I like Twitter for its ability to get immediate news, like yes, right now, um, which is what I do use it for, right. and that's about all I use it for. I got caught; it caught me. Yeah, Gary. it caught me catching something, and then it's just everybody picks this. Uh, there's you know, there's an old political saying: "Is never let a tragedy go to waste," and uh, and that's the way people's mindset is now. Anything that happens, they see it as a as a means to advance their ideology, advance their agenda, advance their uh, their little uh, I don't even know what the right word is. Their little mantras and their little views of the world, and 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 they're, they they see it as scoring points, and that's what pisses me off more than anything else about people is their inability to simply embrace just caring about somebody and not seeing it as an opportunity to advance whatever thought processes they're seeking to advance. Disgusting sometimes. So thank God for all those other people. The 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 silent majority or the majority that aren't on there, I realize that Twitter is not a a a accurate subsection of the population. Not everybody's on Twitter. Yeah. But no. Uh and again we do offer our prayers for a speedy recovery and for peace to his family. We ask that in Jesus' name, and we hope that uh, we can hear, start to hear the results that we want to hear. Yeah, absolutely. I think to kind of go off what you're talking about with the tweeting and everything, uh, there was a one that one big one that went out that was by uh, someone's commentates all the time oh, on yeah. stuff and that's skip bayless yeah uh and i now now i read that and i read it a few times over and over again and i saw a lot of people are like yeah i can't believe skip just tweeted this and i was like i'm reading it i'm like it sounds bad but if you really break it down that's not what he meant no <laughs> he it was wasn't completely overblown that. it was poorly worded right 
So much so that Shannon Sharp, his uh, co-host on there, whatever that show's right. called, uh, just didn't even show up to work on Tuesday because he couldn't stand it. And then he comes up, opens his show today, and tries to make a statement about everything, just trying to get his monologue out. And of course, Skip Bayless interrupts him, and then they just have it out right there on the air. And it's like, oh boy, this is just turning something that shouldn't be. You guys should just shut up and just say, let's just keep him in our thoughts and prayers, and let's move on. Instead of arguing about this, dude, Ari, apologize. Let's just move on. I agree. I read the tweet too, and I read it when it happened. I'm like, it kind of gives like a little. I probably would have said that different, and that was about it. But yeah. Skip Bayless doesn't People have a are lot of instant reactors. Yeah. And he doesn't have a whole lot of goodwill built up with a lot of people. Skip Bayless mm-hmm. is a is he's well he's something. He's a loudmouth. Yeah. I don't ever yeah, watch him. He's a loud I can't mouth stand him. Uh, I can't either. Uh him and Stephen A. Yeah, there's two guys that both are Yeah. They they hurt my ears when I listen to him talk. So he doesn't have a lot of full of crap. He's 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 not got a good credit score with people. No. All right, well let's uh again we're, we 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 send our thoughts and our prayers out to him and his family, and and uh, again, like I said, we hope we hear good results very soon. And uh, on to the rest of some other stuff. And to the you mentioned the NFL. I think you, I agree. The NFL did the right thing uh, by stopping yeah. that game. You can't ask those people to go out there and keep playing those guys. None of them would have been in the right headspace. I am yep. curious as a fan and and understanding how important this game especially was to the playoff matchups i'm curious to see Mm -hmm. what they do because yeah this is not i mean i don't think that it's insensitive to talk about the rest of the nfl season just because this man was injured no uh no it's not and people just getting mad about anybody talking about it now is just kind of like yes i mean we still got to look forward it does suck, and we're going to keep thinking about them. But, yeah, we do got to think of what we're going to do. And they're talking about either just straight up not playing the game. They're talking about uh, maybe pushing, getting rid of the bye week in right. between the AFC and NFC Championship and the Super Bowl. I seem to remember them and doing just, that one other time. What was it that, that caused them to do that? Was that the hurricane? I don't know. They've done that once before where they had they, they got rid of the bye week and had to push the playoffs st- uh, a week back. I remember what it was. No, that what nine eleven. Nine eleven. It was. It was nine eleven because they had to push back and uh, they had to push the season back, or at least it was. I can't remember if they'd already played a game or not. I bet they had already had. But it was Tuesday that it happened. So yeah, they didn't play the following on any day. Yeah, so uh, they didn't. Okay, that's right. So it was. It was nine eleven. So that's it's not unprecedented for them to do that. But that would be weird because that'd be the only game then. Which would be interesting, you know, because that would be the only game played on that Saturday after week 18. Yeah. And it would still give, like if Buffalo won, they'd still get the bye. If they, well, they'd have to win this weekend too, unless Kansas City somehow loses. Yeah. But, yeah. Uh, but, yeah, that's what, I mean, Buffalo's got it on the line right now. Cincinnati is also trying to play for their playoff spot of where they're going to be seated. And those are – Big important things when it comes to playing in the playoffs. And I mean, so, yeah, I mean, I think they should play it. I personally think they should play it sometime. Yeah. This week, very big no on that one. Right. But next week, or, or not this weekend, but next weekend, I'd say let's I'm do in it. favor of the pushing the playoffs back a week. Um, I, I'm okay missing the Pro Bowl. Yeah. Nobody's going to miss the Pro Bowl. 
It's the least yeah. watched event in sports, other than the WNBA. Uh, yeah, that's a joke. <laughs> but uh, and then least even lesser of concern in that is is across the country. This was championship week in fantasy football, and uh, yeah, oh yeah, yeah. And you're talking about some big time fantasy stars: Josh Allen, Stephon Diggs, Joe Burrow, Joe Mixon. I mean, you're talking mm-hmm. about some big players uh, that people were relying on for their fantasy championships, and including ours. Yeah, I would say you and I were going head-to-head uh, for third place, and I have Joe Mixon. Uh, if they play that game again, then we'll see what happens. He needed 29 points to catch you, which he's done before. Uh, but he's going against the Bills. Maybe he does it, maybe he doesn't. I say just split it and be done with it. It's twenty bucks, <laughs> right? Right. Uh, but yeah, a guy I work with in our work league, yeah, he the game stopped and he had Josh Allen, and that was the only thing. And he was within range, but he was projected to lose by five. But Josh Allen can do anything, so right. yeah. So he knows- he's like, well. Very maybe clearly, we split, maybe we just uh, move on. Very clearly, in case there's anybody out there who doubts, these are very, very small concerns in the big picture yes. of things. But yeah, you know, as fans and 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 uh, fantasy football players, you know this is uh this is uh it shakes the apple cart a little bit, and that's yeah. a small concern compared to everything else. That's un- we understand that. Yeah, we're trying to move to a lighter side of this. Yeah, we're right trying to now, ease back. So well, you know, I don't know how we get back to the to the lighter side. Let's do the stupid stuff first. Let's check All out right. some select. We are in episode eighty nine now, Terry. Eighty nine, yeah. Which means we are eleven episodes away from having to name our top twenty five musical acts. Have you even started the process? Uh, in my in my head, I'm just kind of there's some like definite making it. I probably got maybe. Uh, 10. Yeah, I jotted down a few. We're just definitely thinking. in. Yeah. It's going to take a little no bit. I question. think we need to have guests for this one too, Terry. Oh, yeah? I think so. Because I know that last time, remember, we did with the movies, we had lists from other people. I think it might be fun to have one, if not two, people join us for this podcast and uh, run their list. So be thinking about that, maybe. And uh, right. we'll do it. It'll just be... You know, we won't do the whole shebang. We'll do a quick introduction, maybe get a rant or rave, but we'll we'll kind of jump right into it if we're going to be having everybody because we'll have a chance to talk about every musical group then that, we, that comes up, and that'll be fun. Yes, I think it will. But yeah, since and it is our 89th long. episode now, we're going to look at some celebrities who are 89 years old. There can't be any. Carol Burnett. All right. Yeah. I mean, some of the stuff back in the day, Carol Burnett, those. Oh, geez. That was better than Saturday Night Live. Oh, yeah. On some of that stuff. Oh, man. Seeing them break on there, I mean, they're like red in the face, breaking harder than what was the, you'd what, ever was see it, on Saturday Night Live. What was it? It was Tim something, wasn't it? Was it one of the, Conway? Tim Conway. Where he is trying to administer the Novocaine and he accidentally stabs yeah. himself. <laughs> oh, that's one of the funniest things I've ever seen in my life. I can still watch it now. And just fall apart and just laugh out loud, literally, and watching that because it's played so well. Yeah, I think I have that uh, compilation of like a season or two back there on the shelf behind me. Oh, really? I've watched it on YouTube multiple times. Whenever I'm really, you know, if you're ever really depressed, just watch Tim Conway clips on YouTube. The man was a comic genius. 
But yeah, so Good Carol stuff. Burnett, she's 89 years old, along with Quincy Jones. All right. Michael Caine. Michael Caine's 89. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? No kidding. Michael Caine's awesome. Yeah, he's very, very good. Uh, Joan Collins is 89 years old. Okay. Roman Polanski, 89 years old. and uh, Boo. Exactly. Um, I don't want to wish death on anybody, but I wish he'd step foot in America again. Uh, I wish he'd try to sneak a visit in. Pedophile. Uh, yep. <laughs> here's another one who's just terrible, but we'll go ahead and say it anyway. This uh, Louis Farrakhan. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, Robert Blake. Actor. Uh, really? Julie Newmar. Okay. And uh, the only reason I know Julie Newmar's name is from that movie with Patrick Swayze and Wesley Snipes. Otherwise, I'd have never known yep. who she was. So, yeah, that's it for the 89-year-old celebrities. Yeah, slim pickings. Right. And you know what's weirdly getting? It's even getting worse now with the celebrities born in that year because I'm telling you, I cannot even. I, I, I should have written it down. I didn't have the time. How many of the people on this list are just simply YouTube stars? So yeah, we can skip over a lot of those. <laughs> uh, we'll skip over all of them except for one. There's one that his name is recognizable. For us to start off with, uh, Taylor Swift was born in 1989. So, are you a yeah, Taylor Swift man. fan? No, no, I mean not at all. Like I said, I knew the song "Shake It Off" because I saw The Rock sing it in uh, the show Ballers, <laughs> <laughs> which is a great show, by the way, on HBO. I mean, her songs aren't uh, terrible, but it's just simply, you know, there's no not a lot of depth to it. I don't think it's just not my thing. Yeah, uh, PewDiePie is was born in 1989. He's a YouTube star. Yeah, I never watched a I never watched him either, single video of him. I've seen the name plenty of times chris brown was born in 89 so he's 33 years probably spent about at least almost half of those hitting women too so uh way to go chris brown daniel radcliffe is uh was born in 89 along with elizabeth right. olsen all so right scarlet witch was born in 89 jason derulo speaking of elizabeth olsen did you ever go back and watch old boy like i told you not yet i have not i don't yeah look my my tv watching it's so bad right now because uh, a lot of times now, by the time I get Phoenix to bed, if I don't fall asleep with her, I'm real close. So, and I can't watch all that stuff <laughs> when the kids are up. So, I don't have a lot of opportunities for watching things that I like. But uh, let's see, what's Tyga the rapper is was born in '89, along with Joe Jonas. Okay, Bebe Rexa, who's a singer. Uh, let's see. There was one other section section here that it was somebody I knew, I thought. Maybe I am wrong. Um, no, there was an athlete. I know he's on here somewhere. Hold on a second. I'm scrolling down. Cam Newton was born in 1989. Really? He, he had his time in the sun, and he's already done. Yeah. Well, his career dropped hmm. off a cliff, didn't it? He had like a running back yeah. into his career. You know, running backs just stop one day. They just can't do it anymore. Yeah, well, he was basically a running back, quarterback. Right. But, yeah, he could run and throw fairly well. And then, yeah, just the throwing went, running went. And it was like, Is that it? All right. <laughs> he's useless now. Right. Well, I'm sure he's not useless to somebody. Well, I'm just saying it's a pro quarterback. Right. 
All right. Well, we already did our rant, so let's go on to some raves. Uh, I have one rave this week, Terry. What's that? I uh, I did smoked wings again here recently, which I haven't done for a while because, like I said, most of the people in my house don't. Li- they prefer the air fried version of the wings because they like them crispier. Yeah. But I decided I'm on. We had wings. There were wings on sale at one of the grocery stores here in town for you know cheaper than they've been in a while. So I bought two packages of them. And, Air fried one pack, decided I'm going to smoke the other. Well, I actually went and got, I, I basted them in wing sauce before I put them in the smoker. Really? And then smoked them till they were done and then tossed them again. Oh, Terry, it was, it turned out very well. Really? And I didn't even use anything oh. fancy. It was just, it was just sweet baby Ray's wing sauce. So, All right. And so, like, I, I, uh, I should have tried them. Without even tossing them in an extra sauce, because I but that smoke flavor was so strong still, even if I tossed them in the wing sauce, and it was just an extra little bite. And so I, uh, I all I did was put probably smart to have do more sauce on it to kind of counterbalance because they wings come out with a really strong smoke flavor. Yeah, and it just seems like every bite's just whoa. It, but if you toss them in another sauce. It balances out a little bit more, even if it's the same sauce, just more of it. Right, and all I seasoned them with was garlic, salt, and pepper. So, and then put the sauce on them and uh, mm. put them in the smoker and let them go. I mean, dude, that's basically one of my raves this week. I I made my ribs yesterday. Oh, did you? And yeah, and they were they were fantastic again. I keep hearing nice. about these things. I've never <laughs> I tasted a nice things. N- nice crust on the top with a. The glaze over the top of that and smoked them a little longer. I think I'm going to go even longer next time. Just put a th- more glaze on it. I don't know. But, yeah, they always seem to turn out pretty darn good. So, And, yeah, just love smoking the meat. It's great. Yeah. Hey, did I did I ever mention to you my how I think uh, marinara sauce is no longer the good dipping sauce for mozzarella sticks? What is? Wing sauce. Or, well, to be more specific, Sarah had gotten, like, a coupon for two bottles of B-dubs sauces at Walmart. And she got medium and Asian zing. And we were eating wings and mozzarella sticks one night playing games. And I just took it. I was like, yeah, I just dip it in the wing sauce. I was like, dude, (laughs) this is so much better. Then I did the Asian zing. I'm like, this is even better than that. (laughs) Really? I've never tried that before. I I don't want anything else with mozzarella sticks anymore. And speaking of mozzarella sticks, you can buy a big giant box of them at Walmart. You get like eighty or something like there in the box, so you get several uses out of this one box. Because I can't remember what it was cost like ten, twelve bucks or something like that. You go to the restaurant, you buy like six mozzarella sticks. It costs like six, seven bucks. Yeah, that's for sure. And then we got our sauces here, and just we got. Freaking ten times that in mozzarella sticks. Have you ever made fryer. them yourself? And they're great. Yeah, not worth the effort. No. Okay, I was just curious because we get we get you know cheese sticks, you know string cheese sticks all the time. And I was wondering how exactly hard how it would I be. It. It's not. You got. I mean, just batter and fry anything. You know. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it just wasn't worth the effort okay. when you can get the frozen ones, air fry them in the air fryer, and man, yeah, they turn out just as good and still. Okay. I love it. You ever heard, I saw a joke one time, uh, or a meme maybe, where a person's like, you expect me to eat six 
cheese sticks in one sitting, that's disgusting. Oh, wait, they're mm-hmm. deep fried and dipped in marinara? I'm in. So, <laughs> yeah, I'll take six of them, please. Right. So, uh, yeah. Yeah, I, I tried to do, I was going to do tonight, uh, I did a, uh, like a pasta and sausage with uh, uh, spaghetti sauce and some green chilies and tomatoes and put it all, mm-hmm. cooked it all separate and put it all together. Topped it with a bunch of cheese and then put it in the oven just till the cheese melted. I thought about smoking yeah. it, but uh, till the cheese melted. But I've, I don't know if I get away with that with everybody. Yeah, you said you didn't like mac and cheese. So I mean, I think everybody else would like a smoked mac and cheese if a yeah, not, time ever came. Not in my house, but because not I'm you know not everybody else loves the smoke flavor. So I'm trying to I'm trying to ease great. them into it. Though. I'm trying to, to win them over. I keep cooking things out there and like oh try how good this is. Like when I made those ring wings, Crystal really liked them, but she she liked the way they taste, but she prefers the crispiness of the uh, wings. So and I still haven't figured out how to do that in the smoker. You smoke them, you bring them in, fry them real fast, and then feed her. It still keeps the flavor, the smoke flavor. Isn't that the whole point? Absolutely, absolutely. Because you're just flash frying them. So you can't do that in the air fryer, though. You got to actually do it in oil. I suppose you could do it in the air fryer. Wonder yeah, if maybe just why not? Them, like, not all the way done in the smoker, and then throw them in the air fryer. I mean, it's a thought. I'm gonna give it a try sometime. See if that works. But yeah, you'll get a crispier. I haven't done it myself, but I know that's how you do it. I'm gonna have to give that a shot because I love so much the flavor of smoked meat, and uh, I would I could cook every meal in that smoker if they would let me. Yeah, but, it wasn't so stinking time-consuming, I'd do it more often, but right. it's always on my days off because those ribs are a seven-hour process. Yeah. I'm getting them prepped, getting them in there. And but I'm talking about it. not even, like, big specialty dinners. Like, if I'm just cooking chicken for dinner, it only takes, like, if it takes, you know, 40 minutes to cook it in the oven, it only takes, it, you know, another 15 or 20 in the smoker. Yeah. So. That's true. I just think about having to heat up the smoker all the way before... I can even put them in there, and, and I don't know. When I get home, it's more of I just I'm done. Gotcha. <laughs> I want to cook something a little faster. Right. All right. Did you have any raves, Terry? Uh, yeah, one other one. It's just being able to get extra time with a kiddo during Christmas vacation. It's been pretty great. You know, my days off, we're hanging out and just having fun. You know, uh, it's been nice getting extra time, especially when I'm at work so much. Right. So this weekend, I finally get two days off in a row for the first time in like three weeks. So I've had a lot of days off, but they've been just like one at a time. Right. That's like I was hard. I was on on three off one on two off one on one off one. Oh jeez. <laughs> uh, work three. So it's it's dumb, but yeah. At the time we those days off though are nice because I'm stirring the week. So yeah. Hey, kiddos, home. Let's play. Let's have fun. We just beat. Uh, the Mario on the Switch tonight. Okay, so I was, and you should have seen her face. She did like eyes wide, mouth open. <gasps> oh my God, we just <laughs> beat Bowser! <laughs> I was like, yeah, this. We sure did, kiddo. That was fun. That sounds fun. It takes me back, and it's like it's it's fun watching her get excited more than I'm happy that we won the game. Right, but yeah, just good times. Excellent. Well. Let's uh let's talk about some records. 
this week, Terry. I saw the video that you uh, you sent me. So the oh, yes, Guinness yes. World Record Report. Yeah, this is starting to get repetitive. Uh, but David Rush, an Idaho man with more than 250 Guinness World Record tiles, unofficially broke another record when he used his feet to pop 100 balloons in 22.38 seconds. Rush, who has broken more than 250 records to promote STEM education, set up 100 balloons in a line and then stomped on them to break the record for the fastest time to burst 100 balloons with his feet. Rush said it took him five attempts to successfully pop all 100 balloons with that time of 22.38 seconds, breaking the previous record of 24.98 seconds, which was set by Muhammad Yasir Mushtaq of Pakistan in February of 2022. Rush is now awaiting word from Guinness about whether his temp was officially successful. Okay. I've heard it's it. not technically a record alert, but still. It's pending. Yes. And we've had this man's name on our podcast more than once. This is like the fourth time, I think. I think so, yeah. And they're all silly uh, records, so it's always like fun yeah. to bring them back up. Well, that's the whole Plus, there weren't that other many good ones this week, so I was like, eh, this one's yeah. simple enough. I almost just played the video and like, all right, Rob, try to figure out what this is. <laughs> it was better than the guy clapping. Oh which yeah, could be very, very suggestive. Yes, it was. Like. It was. <laughs> all right. Well, uh, since I chose our review this week, of course, that means it's time for another installment of the United States of Rob. Uh, eventually, I think it'd be fun to get my to come up with some kind of a uh, or find some music somewhere that's like to be the uh, the new national anthem for the United States of Rob. <laughs> <laughs> I think that would be fun. Uh, Man, we need to be able to hit a like a soundboard or something on here. We just click a button and just play. A, a sound effects machine would be nice, but we're 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 actually you know obviously we're doing this uh, low budget, so it's just basically two laptops, microphones, and headphones. So. We don't have the, what it the fancy stuff yet. Eventually, we will. Once we catch up with you know, and get up to Joe Rogan's numbers, then you know yeah. we'll be able to do all that. Man, if we get to one percent of Joe Rogan's numbers, <laughs> we'll be able to do that. Yeah. Uh, but yes, the United States of Rob. Um, I uh, I thought about this a lot this week for some reason. This was in my head. It was one of the things I just happened to have kicking around my brain while I was at work, and. I've talked briefly before, uh, one of the times, one of the podcasts about prison reform and yes. um, how I thought that, that uh, I don't remember the context was, and they were talking about the death penalty or something. I don't remember what the context was exactly, but there are lots of different ways you can reform prisons. Uh, and this would be a, a uh, for one, let me just give my, uh, my opinion out first is that I think the prisons are overpopulated and I believe they're overpopulated intentionally because prisons have become a for-profit business in this country. And we have privately owned prisons that uh, need more prisoners and we are more than happy to give them to them. Um, and also where this figures into the United States of fraud, this, there's lots of different ways to reform prisons. Not all of them we're going to talk about right now. There's one idea that occurred to me this week that I think would help a little bit with easing how many people we're sending to prison each and every year. Now, um, I think the prison sentences in this country are excessive. Uh, I don't understand what you get. How how are you better reformed because you spend 10 years in prison as opposed to five? 
how does ten years yeah. ten years in prison make you a better citizen than serving five years in prison? So I think it's arbitrary, and I think it's BS that it's controlled by. Oh, you, if you should have had a better lawyer, right? Yeah, that that is one of the dumbest things I have ever heard. Well, if you had a better lawyer, you would have gotten less time, right? No. So, uh, and I, I think that 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 uh, the prison is is it doesn't create upstanding citizens; it creates more criminals. You don't go spend your life with other criminals and come out, you know, wanting to be a welder. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, so that's the foundation of where my thought process is on here is that we're sending way too many people to prison. I don't want to hear the crap about, well, they committed the crime. They should do the time. That's, that's fine, but you're not doing it. You're not staring down 10 years of your life. You know, yeah, people make mistakes. People do things wrong. I think that we, we give way too many, way too lengthy prison sentences for stuff that shouldn't be. And primarily, which is where we're getting to tonight, drugs. Uh, Terry, let me ask you a question. Yeah. If I told you that somebody was busted for selling dirty diapers to people, what would be the first que- one of the first questions you'd ask? Why? Why would somebody want dirty diapers, right? Yeah. And so that's exactly the mentality I have as well. If you were to tell me, if I was to find out, so, yeah, so-and-so was selling dirty diapers to people for $20 a pop. I'm like, who wants dirty diapers? Now, mm-hmm. if you extrapolate that to how we look at the war on drugs, um, it's a supply and demand issue, so to speak. If you wanted to be cynical, you could say it's very American in the sense that it's a, a consumer-based capitalist endeavor. Uh, I don't want to be that cynical, but I wanted to, to highlight something. We've spent so much time and effort and money in this war on drugs that we are not winning, by the way. There's no metric that shows that we are winning the war on drugs in any way. Yeah, We are constantly spending hundreds of thousands of dollars to track down these drug, you know, uh, drug dealers, importers, that sort of thing, and and they've given rise to these unbelievably powerful and cruel cartels just south of our border in Mexico, and uh, and in other places as well. I have an idea, Terry, that I think the approach we have is failing. It's not working. There's, yeah. there's no way to say that it's working, that we're keeping drugs out, that we've made any kind of a dent. You, you know, I would Even at this age of my life, I would imagine it would take me more, no more than a couple of hours to find drugs. Now, I'm not just talking about weed. Even as far removed from that kind of stuff as I am, you know, 20 years removed from that kind of lifestyle, I still don't think it would be hard to find. And here's my idea. We've spent all this focus on the dealers, right? And we, we catch them, we send them to prison for 10 years, send them to prison for 15 years. You know, you get 20 years for, for dealing fentanyl, whatever. And so we fill up the prisons with all these people selling drugs. I, I don't know the percentage, and I should have looked it up, so I regret that, the percentage of incarceration uh, for, for drug offenses as, to, as opposed to other offenses. But it's got to be pretty high. 
it's it really does because you hear about you hear about those a whole lot more than you hear about any others. What if we switched our focus from the dealers to the users? The dealer doesn't exist without the user. For I used yeah. the diaper example earlier, and that's point I chose that one specifically because. It's so farcical to think that somebody would want to buy dirty diapers. So there would be no reason for a dirty diaper salesman. Here's my proposal is that we come at the users. So, look, in most states in this, in, in this country now have backed off users completely. They won't even prosecute. You know, not most states. There are several states that have decided they're not going to prosecute any kind of possession. For, in California, they won't, they won't prosecute you for small possession of any drugs. Right now. Really? You can have heroin in small possession. If I remember reading it right, it may, I could possibly be misspeak, mis- misspeaking, um, but maybe it was proposed and didn't pass. But the mindset is, is to use the, the user as a means to get the dealer, right? You catch somebody, mm-hmm. say, for example, before it was legal, say it was right now, you know, if I had it, if I was to do such a thing, if I was driving around and I had, you know, I had cocaine on me, and I'm I'm pulled over for traffic stop, and they find it, and so they're going to use that as leverage on me to find out well who did you buy it from, right? That's they, yep. they want to find the dealer. Here's the thing: uh, what if you switched the effort of the drug war to the user? Now, anytime someone is caught with drugs, they're prosecuted, not in prison. I, I'm not favoring prison for this. Um, they're sentenced with heavy fines community service and they have that mark on them uh their permanent record okay. now eventually you hit enough of these users word's going to start to get out hey man if you get caught with this you're in a lot of trouble and if they track and they find the dealer i say you don't arrest the dealer here's where it gets weird and you may have to 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 check me on this okay i have a feeling that a lot of the dealers police know who's dealing drugs they haven't they just haven't been able to catch them in the act right Okay. They know who's suspected. They know who these guys, you know. Uh, I say you follow the dealer, and you, every time he sells to someone, you don't arrest him. You arrest the people he sold to. Two advantages to that. One, you're not sending just people ran, you know, paying people to prison for a long time because you're not going to send these users to prison. You're going to give them community service and heavy fines, right? Uh, mm-hmm. Every time he, if you find a dealer, you track him, you follow him, you surveil him, and arrest everybody he sells to. Word is going to get out quick. Because the people buying the drugs, most of the time, aren't even from the same neighborhood as the people using the drugs. Or selling the drugs, I mean. So you're going to start getting a lot more affluent people involved in this process instead of just waiting on the, you know, the street criminal who's selling, Right. Now you're going to start seeing the businessmen who want to get a little bit of weed. You know, not weed. I guess weed's legal now. But you're going to start getting that, you know, the businessman who wants to do a couple of of bumps in his office at the end of the day. He gets busted for possession. All of a sudden, he's the one that's prosecuted. His friends are going to find out. And they're going to find out. And then then that circle's going to find out. And all of a sudden, you're going to start drying up maybe. You start drying up the opportunity for sales, especially for the dealer you follow. Imagine if, if if you're buying your drugs from, you know, Joe Schmo, 
and all of a sudden, everybody else that you know that buys drugs from Joe Schmo gets busted with them, guess who you're not calling anymore? Yeah. Right? You're not calling that dealer anymore. You're not going because, and so you've effectively eliminated him from that and also doing a reminding people that you're not innocent just because you're buying them and you only have a small amount. See, I don't think morally, here's where the, the problem I have is that you have these these dealers and obviously they have more than what they're going to use because they're selling it. So we're supposed to make a moral distinction because your dealer has a pound of cocaine as opposed to you who has an ounce when the only reason he has a pound is because there's 99 other people just like you who want an ounce. Yeah. Does that make sense? It does. Morally, they're exactly the same. Without your demand, you don't need, he doesn't have to supply. And we focus so much on the supply side, and it's not working. Now, if it was working, if focusing on supply had, and America was drug free, we'd all be applauding at the genius of cracking down on supply. I think we're not going to end and solve this problem of drugs in this country until we come hard at demand. I mean, they give out free needles in cities for people who are on heroin. Yep, we do it here in Peoria. Yeah, that's so stupid. I can't understand it. I can't wrap my head around it. It's because they want, if they're going to do it, they don't want them to cause themselves even worse trouble. It's like, we'd rather you get your needles here than doing some dirty stuff over here and then causing infections and all this and... Because they don't care. They're gonna. They're gonna. Heroin users, once they're hooked that hard, uh, they they'll find a way to get it. Though that's the only thing I see a problem with this. Even if okay, that dealer doesn't work, I'm going to work tirelessly to find someone else that can hook me up. And a lot of these folks. I mean, I don't want to just assume, but a lot of folks sell off a lot of stuff they have. They spend all their money on these oh, drugs. Yeah. And they can't even survive, so these fines are going to be a joke to them because they're like, "Yeah, I'm not. I can't pay that, and I don't care because uh, I'm on welfare anyways right now." Uh, and there's, I just, I don't see that working because there's, they'll find a way to get it, and they don't care because the need outweighs the consequences. I mean, we personally know someone that's been to prison, but got back into it the need outweighs the consequences even they know what it's like in prison the need outweighs the consequences and that is the only thing the i see a problem with. I can't, and, and going after the dealers hasn't dried up the supply no and it's it's a really really tough thing to try to figure out and <clears throat> i think they're going to find a way to no matter what just keep it going so i i don't see it stopping anytime soon no matter how they change it, however, whatever way they do it, but well, like you know, you said, like they, a, they take the a reason, genius to figure this out. <laughs> I don't claim to be a genius, but I can say that that you know the the often stated definition of insanity is trying the same thing over and over again and expecting different results. And yeah. we've been doing our war on drugs for forty years now since the eighties since the Reagan administration. 40, 42 years of a war on drugs, and we've not gained an inch. We've not gained any ground. Our strategy is not working. And I do, yeah, it, like you said, we have seen the uh, direct effects of 
drug devastation from people that we know, people that were, you know, that that we we know well. So it's not like we're speaking out of a place of complete, you know, disattach, you know, unattachment. You know, we definitely have seen this up close and personal. Mm-hmm. So my where I'm coming at this is from a place of how do we win the war on drugs? Well, the strategy we've been doing for the last 40 years hasn't worked. We need to come up with a new plan. Yeah, I, I don't know. Even, I don't think it's going to be figured out in our lifetime, to be honest. I mean, you watched that. <laughs> Did you watch that dope sick yet? Or I, like I said, man, I, that? I can't watch it. Yeah, anymore. I get it. Yeah, that. I mean, that was that was wild. I mean, fentanyl, and that was the drug company that was doing it, right? <laughs> and you know, the, so we got billion dollar companies that are doing it as well, <laughs> and people are finding a way to get it. So, and that's that's another where thing. there's a will, there's a way. That's another thing that bothers me too. Is that uh, <clears throat> excuse me, we'll prosecute. And we'll, well, we'll demonize and stigmatize somebody who shoots up or somebody who snorts. But we run, there's, you know, commercials every 15 minutes for that same stuff in pill form. You know, so it's, it's perfectly okay for some housewife in Indiana to be on, you know, 17 different antidepressants and everything else. And because they're prescription, nobody thinks about it at all. Nobody thinks any less of her because she's on prescription. But that's because yeah. she's got insurance. But if somebody doesn't have insurance and they self medicate, all of a sudden they'll, you know, they're the you know, they're the problem. I don't know, man. Yeah, I mean, that's why you gotta have a doctor prescribe the stuff and then the amount that it's supposed to be, period. And that yeah, same doctor start going pres- outside that. Same doctor oh, that well. prescribe steroids to people. Exactly. I mean I mean you gotta not everybody's going to be perfect, but there's going to be a lot of good doctors out there, and you got to try to hope that yours is one of them. Yeah, for that sure. will keep an eye on that stuff and be very cautious. And I've seen a lot of patients so angry with their doctor because they refuse to give them any more of a certain drug, and it's like, well, I mean, it's probably for your own good, so you, your liver doesn't shut down because you're taking pain medication and you want more of it because right. it's not doing the job. Well, guess what? They're not jumping it up because they don't want to kill you. Even though you think it will help, and not necessarily the only factor here. So, as far as all the other stuff out there, I mean, you're it's going to be there regardless. They're going to find a way. They're they're always going to find a way, and they get more and more creative all the time, all the time. Well, so, how do you and stop you see, it? Then? There's, I, it's you don't. I mean, it's it's happening. They just bust what you can and try to keep. It slowed down a little bit, but it still gets through, and you know it's going to. Uh, that's why there's so many movies and documentaries and shows about this, because it is a problem, and it's a problem that ain't isn't going away, and it won't go away, because the need is there for these people that use, and they can't get clean on their own, and, and they just consumes them to the point that they don't care. They will find a way to get it, and... Sometimes very, very bad ways of finding a way to get it. Yeah. Well, let's not get too depressing. <laughs> you <laughs> know right. what? Uh, they Sometimes you're, you're saying that it takes, you know, these people have to go on a journey sometimes to get what they want, right? <laughs> yes. They do. You're laughing at me. <laughs> I know where this is going. <laughs> well, we saw three men go on a journey this week in the we movie. Did. Oh, brother, where art thou? 
a loose interpretation, reimagining of Homer's literary classic, The Odyssey. Terry. Very loose. Very loose. Very loose. Uh, basically, just a couple of characters thrown in. And it's like, oh, there's the sirens. Oh, there's the cyclops. You know, sort of, sort of thing. Uh, <laughs> um, this is a great movie. I love this movie. Made my top 25. Terry, you had mentioned last week that you had not actually seen this before. I had not actually seen it. And I watched it two days ago on my day off. And I, I really wanted to get into this movie, man. I really, I mean, there, early on in the movie, I was laughing at certain things, but it, it after a while, it just the second half just kind of dragged on for me. I, 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 I was into it that first half. I was loving it, and then it just it seemed like it dragged to the end. I mean, it was moving, but I just the interest was it just seemed almost repetitive. I, that sounds dumb, but it, I know it wasn't repetitive, but. I don't know. I, it was fine. It wasn't a bad movie. It wasn't uh, an amazing movie, in my opinion. All right. But it uh, was my first time seeing it, and it came out 22 years ago now. And so if I had seen it back then when it first came out, and I watched it multiple times, maybe like The Office, it just gets better with age. You definitely pick up on some things uh, on repeated viewings. Um but let's, let's let's get through the stats on it first, and then we'll talk about why Terry likes to poo poo on things I like. Uh, I don't know why you pick the stuff that you know I'm not gonna like. <laughs> I'm try- I thought you would like it. it. This is a funny movie. I mean, I, it's a well written. Next, next movie. week's next week podcast. I know you're gonna like. So okay, because I care about you. <laughs> All right. Well, Oh Brother, We're Out There was released on February second, two thousand and one. Uh, rated PG-13 with a runtime of one hour and 47 minutes. It stars George Clooney as Everett, John Torturo as Pete, and Tim Blake Nelson as Delmar. It also features yes. a couple of uh, cameo, uh, not cameo, but support appearances by John Goodman and Holly Hunter. Uh, directed by Joel and Ethan Cohen, made on a budget of $26 million dollars. With a worldwide worldwide gross of seventy one point eight million dollars, so uh, yeah, tripled its right. basically tripled its budget. Um, yeah, I was uh, I became I think I saw this movie. I think I remember seeing this movie in the theater. Really? Yeah, and I remember laughing, just loving it. Um, well, you know me, I love classic literature. So when I heard yep. that there was going to be a reimagination of the Odyssey, I thought it's such a great story that, you know, uh, have you ever read the Odyssey, Terry? I've never read. Come on. You no, know, I've never read I, the it's Odyssey. It's not written by but, Dan uh, Brown, so. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I saw the one with uh, Armando Sante okay. back in like the 90s, the uh, limited miniseries or something. Okay, yeah. All right. Well, anyway, I, I I remember enjoying that. It's 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 a classic story. It's got all the the traits of what we now know as like adventure stories, adventure, overcoming adversity. You know, the hero trying to get home, that sort of thing. We these they become tropes. They were, you know, concepts that have been around for thousands of years. And so I was excited. And I remember seeing it, and and I loved it. I love this movie. I think it's, I, I think this movie still makes me laugh when I watch it in points, and. um so that's why I chose it. That's why I put it on my top 25 list when we did our movies. Now, comedy certainly is very subjective. 
Um, different people laugh at different things. Um, so I'm going to try not to hold it against Terry that he apparently didn't like this movie. As much. Hey, I have cow cow getting hit by a car in my good. So, I mean. <laughs> yes, that was a great scene. Um, that came out of nowhere. I'm like, what? <laughs> <laughs> uh, that was fantastic. Let's get in right into the good. I have lots of good. Um, and I'll start off with, I think the writing in this movie was amazing. I love the, the way they talk. I love the, the way the the little quirks that the characters have, even vocally. I, I did appreciate that for sure. I will agree with that. I like the way it was written. I did like the the uh, way just the way they talk. I I, I enjoyed all that. Uh, I don't know why it gets me, Terry. I don't know why it's so funny, but I still you know, when he, after he says it once or twice, like when they're fa- they're at uh, uh, Pete's cousin's house and they're in the barn, and mm-hmm. all of a sudden the cops show up. And George Clooney just say, keeps saying, damn, we're in a tight spot. I don't know why that kept making me laugh after like the second time he said it. Because it's like the whole escal- the whole situation is definitely escalating, but he still has the same response. Damn, we're yep. in a tight spot. And I'm just like, the first he just hears him outside. Then they're yelling at him. Then they're shooting at him. Then they set the barn on fire, and it's all still the same. Ah, we're in a spice tight spot. I'm like, that just made me laugh. I do like that, and yeah, the, the fact that you, if you did it once or twice, it'd be one thing, but they did it like four or five times, yeah. and it's just like... And it's just the I, same just, response, no matter the level of danger they're in, which I thought was just... Yep. I thought that was funny. Um, yeah, when Delmar was repeating something over and over again, that kind of made me chuckle, too. I can't remember what it was now. Delmar makes <laughs> but, me laugh throughout the whole movie, because you always laugh at the uh, buffoon character, and... uh when I was trying to give you away using the uh, uh, the quote last week to tip you off to what we were doing, the scene where he oh, says, "Oh yeah, what were they?" That was when they were with the sirens, and okay. they wake up and Pete's gone, and it's just his clothes there. And Delmar sees, looks down at his clothes, and he sees something moving in his shirt, and he's like, "Oh my God, they left his heart!" And he sees it start to move to the top of his shirt, and out jumps a toad. And he's just like, oh, oh, my God. They turned him into a horny toad. And I just, that's that line gets me every time. So uh, I thought it was great performances by all three of the main cast members. Um, yeah, they did a fine job. Tim, uh, especially uh, Tim Blake Nelson, Delmar. Uh, it just, I could go on and on about about the scenes he's in because he's so so naturally funny in this movie. And Clooney, his performance, I think, is flawless in this movie. Oh, it was great. Uh, What I have, uh, fun fact real quick about Clooney on this. Well, I got a couple here. I'll just say them both. Clooney signed on before reading the script. The brothers visited him in Phoenix while he was, uh, the Coen brothers, visited him in Phoenix while he was making Three Kings, wanting to work with him after seeing his performance in Out of Sight. Moments after they put their script on Clooney's hotel room table, the actor just said, great, I'm in. Yeah. <laughs> that was it. That's awesome. Didn't even really get much of uh, anything. Didn't read it at all. Just I'm in. Uh, Clooney rely- relied on his Uncle Jack for his accent. 
Jack, a Baptist tobacco farmer from a small town in Kentucky, was asked by his nephew to record himself saying Ulysses' lines. After two months of shooting, the Coens asked why Clooney was saying every line perfectly, but omitting all the hells and dams from the screenplay. Uncle Jack refused to say those words. <laughs> Jack, Jack had never been on a plane before flying in for the, for the premiere. That's awesome. I didn't know that. That's pretty cool. Yeah, uh, like I said, Clooney's performance in this is perfect. There's you, I couldn't find one thing that I could pick <clears throat> apart with this performance. He is everything this movie needs him to be. It needs him to be, you know, self confident. But then he also gets his butt kicked in that drugstore, and I just laugh at that scene when he he kind of blinks when he gets punched, and his eyes get you know weird. I just I love the physical comedy he pulls off. His character, his you know, this over sized sense of self and his self importance is just perfect um it's a movie star performance this is this is how movie stars do things yeah it uh, that's one thing i can say the acting in this movie everybody did their part as far as the acting went and they were all great and i i can't argue with that there to me it was just the story really that just dragged me on okay but other than that, the, the humor was there in certain parts, and I definitely, Sarah, after it was over, uh, Sarah was like, what? oh, you didn't really like it that much? And she's like, I heard you laughing multiple times. I'm like, I mean, there were some funny parts in that that I definitely <laughs> got me to chuckle, but yeah, as, far, as a whole, just the story was what just, eh. But I, I, don't get me wrong, I thought it was it was all right. Um, this movie had a feel for me like old Hollywood. Like this movie could have been yeah. like a Cary Grant or you know Jimmy Stewart type of a movie. I could have seen this being made back then, and um, I loved the way it played up to, you know, this. There's always the next, the next challenge, but there's still that lurking presence that comes from behind that sheriff that's looking for him, and and yeah. uh, <clears throat> I just I loved little things, um, like the siren scene. The siren scene. I love the siren scene every time because John Torturo absolutely losing his mind and making them pull over the car is totally believable for a guy who has spent time in prison. So yeah, I imagine <laughs> the baptize the bat when the when when Pete and Delmar get baptized and uh, and Pete's like, well, the state's got nothing on me anymore. I've been baptized. That sin's been forgiven. And and Everett's like. Yeah, but the state of Mississippi is just a little bit harder, and so you know, yeah. uh, I love that scene too. Um, I love like the when they meet the bank robber, like you said. You said in your good, you had that scene where they hit he hit a cow. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the the cops hit the cow, right? Right, right. And it looks real. It's like, oh my god, did they really just kill a cow? But uh, I don't think they did. No, I'll get to that. I I think. Okay, another thing that I really enjoyed about this movie and, and it was the music and that is also in my good. This soundtrack, I think sold over 5 million copies, eight, eight, over 8 million copies. Okay. Yep. Of bluegrass, old school country type music. And it was just, I loved the music in this movie and I'm not necessarily a bluegrass fan. And you know, uh, like I'm definitely not like what I would call you know 30s and 40s era depression era music fan, but the music in this movie was so perfectly done, 
It fit the scenes, and that man, that song, "Man of Constant Sorrows," I will reveal was a song that I used to sing when we would go out and do karaoke. <laughs> so I mean, that's how much this music had an effect on the people that watched it. It almost became bigger than the movie itself. Yeah, and that "Man of Constant Sorrow" that's a, a remake, uh, but it was all the way back to 1911. I read was when that song was written. So. Definitely an old song, but uh, the way they delivered it in this movie was great. It's like, hey, I know that song, because I'd never seen it, but I definitely had heard that song many times. But you talk about the soundtrack. They combined traditional bluegrass, country, gospel, blues, and folk music. And they did <laughs> All it into well. one album. <laughs> yep. And, they, and they, are the, they were the first movie soundtrack since 1994 to win uh, the Grammy for Album of the Year. Really? What was the mm-hmm. one in '94? Was that Bodyguard? I don't. It's about that time, but I don't know. I feel almost like Bodyguard was a little earlier than that. All right. Um, I liked the. It made me laugh. It still made me laugh too. Watching the last concert when they put on the fake beards and uh, John Torturo's dancing in the background while Delmar is singing is hilarious. <laughs> Torturo yes. just goes for it in this movie, all over the place. <laughs> yeah, and, I love that. I like that dude and everything. Yeah. It was a bodyguard, by the way, ninety four. Okay, lucky guess. Um, but yeah, I love the. Uh, I love his dancing in the background. I love George Clooney's a good lip syncer. Uh, Torturo, not so much. Um, no, when he was doing his yodeling part. Yeah, he, he, he was, you knew it wasn't him. Uh, what was that? Tim, what was his name? Tim, Tim Blake, Blake Nelson, Delmar. Nelson, thank you. Yeah, he he was actually singing one of his songs. Was he really? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> yeah. So, uh, and but with Torturo, he's just, he's going, you know. It almost like the director's like, just go bigger with it. Just just go crazier with it. Be a little bit more unhinged with it. And it was his whole performance, and. uh Especially when they're trying to make you believe he's singing, he just didn't buy it. But uh, you, you kind of bought George Clooney. He was a good lip singer. All right. Um, I liked, too, the little visual of the one uh, politician where you find out the genesis of the phrase run out of town on a rail. Which, yeah. Which I thought was very interesting to see visually what that meant. And then you realize it was just a simple act of humiliation. Yeah. That it was all, it was about social humiliation and, uh, <laughs> to see it, you know, cause you already, you've heard that phrase before run out of town on a rail and, and, but I have the visual representation of what that actually entails. You realize, okay, this is along the same signs as people being put in stocks. It's just, to humiliate them as a deterrent from whatever they was they were doing that got them in that situation in the first place. Yep. All right, Terry. Did you have any other good? No, it was a uh, yeah, music, cow, and the humor. <laughs> uh, I, I kept it very simple this week. My bad and ugly. I already told you. So I mean, just I, I, I tried to type one out. I'm like, it wasn't really one thing that I didn't like it was just it was just dragged for me so what what if uh 
we're talking about it. You know, there, there, it's a loose adaptation of an epic story, so mm-hmm. it's not going to be done in you know. It, 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 there's I, it's it's the journey. I Where did they lose it. you? How far yeah. in did you get before you started to feel uh, like it was dragging? I gotta know. Yeah, uh, probably around the sirens or so. Really, the sirens? Maybe, maybe after a little after that, after the toad. Okay. I, I, it wasn't like it was like, oh god, come on! No, it wasn't nothing like that. None of the humor was like, oh, that's stupid. It was just like I said, just it seemed like it just started dragging after that. All right. In my opinion, I, I mean, I was don't get me wrong, I was still let, chuckling here and there, but it just wasn't as as great as I was hoping it would be. I was I was going into it probably with high hopes, and I shouldn't have, and I know better than that, but. Maybe if I watched it again. There are things know. that you catch that I that uh and that I've seen this movie several times. It's one of those movies I could throw on. I used to throw on one as DVDs. I one that I kept close to the DVD player because you know, I just have it on in the background kinda sometimes. <laughs> uh John Goodman's character, the Cyclops, Big Dan. Um I love the scene where he takes them out to the for the picnic and they're just so clueless. Uh Everett and Delmar. Delmar's got the toad that he thinks is Pete with him. And, you know, he's he's there, he says, Oh, thank you for for you know the extra the extra food. I was still feeling a little peckish. And so he just I love the way he's talking the whole time. Then he just reaches up and breaks off the branch of the tree while he's talking about sales and, and all these other things and just hits Delmar in the head with the branch and and Everett's like what kind of point are you trying to make there, Dan? And I'm just like, I thought that was just hilarious. He just didn't get it until he got hit in the face. And uh, I just, I love that. I love that scene. Uh, and see, that that kind of humor is more funny to me the more I watch it. That's why I liked Napoleon Dynamite. Because I first time I watched it, I was like, what is this? And the more I watched it, I was like, okay, this is funnier each time, more each time I see it. And I think this movie might do the same for me. Yeah. I hope so because I love this movie so much that it, it, it kind of hurts me a little bit that you didn't like it as much. <laughs> I also like the scene that the, towards the end when when Everett comes clean and tells them, oh, because Pete confesses that he, because let's let's fill our audience in. When the siren during the siren scene when his body's missing, it means that they the sirens like drugged him up and uh and then like hogtied him and turned him in for the reward, and so he got went sent back to the chain gang. And uh, when he they do refree him, and he confesses that he told the police where they were going to be going to seek this treasure that they supposed that Everett told them there was this treasure worth one point two million dollars that he could get, but it was going to be sunk by this dam being constructed. And, uh, and then Everett comes clean and says that he just needed to get out of prison because his wife was getting ready to marry another man. <laughs> and so and Pete's like, I had two was it two months left. Two weeks. Two weeks left. <laughs> Two weeks left. He says, they're going to give me 50 years. For, and uh, and Demo's like, well, I guess they'll give me 50 years too. And uh, and Pete's like, I'll be 84 years old when I get out. And Delmar smiles and says, well, I'll only be 82. <laughs> and I just, <laughs> I, I, laugh, I laugh at that line every time because Delmar's just got this like look of, oh, wow, this is great. I'll only be 82. <laughs> uh, all right. Um, I had um, one bad, and that was, well, you're probably not going to even agree that this is bad. 
Um, why was there never a sequel made to this movie? I want to see these three characters again. I know that. I mean, you know, you could go from the Odyssey to the Iliad if you wanted to. Yeah. Uh, and I just I don't I don't understand why there wasn't. This movie is was critically you know well received. It was financially well received, and I just wonder why they into that at all, huh? Did you read into it? I didn't read into why there wasn't a sequel, but I would imagine that you know the Coen brothers just, they moved on. Did you have something in your fun facts that hinted as to why? No. Oh, okay. Uh, I would love to see these characters again because, um, like I said, oh I, yeah, oh, they work great together. Yeah, there was a great, a great uh, pairing of you know Clooney and Turturro and Tim Blake Nelson. Um, so I would like to see them on another adventure. What happens after he gets married? Maybe something happens and they have to come help him again. And uh, I liked I liked seeing them together. Um, ugly. This is a stretch. I was trying to find something ugly because, like I said, I love this movie so much. I was, this was a stretch. But in the clan scene towards mm-hmm. the end of the movie... And they get their hoods ripped off, and their faces have been, you know, dirty, and they're mistaken for being black. Is that technically blackface? I don't know. Their faces don't know. were darkened. Yeah, but by they were just dirty. Okay. Like I said, it was a stretch, but I mean, they the color guard is colored. <laughs> I, just, I laugh at that line too. The Grand Wizard, uh, like, because they 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 they. Uh, they're trying to free their friend, who's a guitar player, who's about to be lynched by the Ku Klux mm-hmm. Klan, and so they see the color guard for the Klan off to the side, and they uh, attack them and take their robes, and they're following their their friend down this you know down this path that they're going to take him to the gallows, and they're telling him they're going to. Re- Every time the other Klansmen around here are deaf, because they're telling the guy as they're walking, "Yeah, we're going to free you." And he's like, I don't think anything's going to get me out of this one. And so then the dude get they are finally revealed. They get their hoods ripped off because John Goodman's Big Dan character is there too, and he recognizes something. I don't. It's not clear. It made it look like he sniffed the air. And I know the Cyclops in uh, in the Odyssey had a heightened sense of smell, so maybe that's what they were alluding to. But they get their hoods ripped off, and their faces are darkened because of for whatever reason, and they they're mistaken to be black. So I, I had to come up with an ugly, and I'm wondering, was that technically blackface? <laughs> well, you might be interested. This wasn't in my facts, but I did read that a majority of the extras that were used in the Ku Klux Klan scene were, in fact, black. That's awesome. <laughs> and they said, and and what most of them were saying, they're like, "This is so crazy right now. It's so bizarre. Right? It's so weird. I don't know, man. It's 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 weird." <laughs> Just be all around, all that, all at once, looking around. I mean, that it carries a heavy symbol for the black yeah. community, Absolutely. and that's. I mean, that's. Uh, so yeah, they 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 had a fun time with it, but still, still weird. I guess you could, if you wanted to get nitpicky about it. Um, that scene being played for laughs, you could nitpick that a little bit. The clan scene. Uh. Some people might not find that humorous, and the fact that there's like the choreography for the whole ceremony, maybe. 
Um, yeah, that's it. We're not snowflakes. We're not going to say here. Right. Call that ugly. <laughs> right. Now, I decided I had to come up with something ugly to fill out that spot, and there's nothing ugly in this movie for me because I'm, you know, of a man of good taste and discernment. <laughs> and uh, so I had to come up with something for the ugly. But let's go to some of your fun facts, Terry. All right. Uh, first off, the prisoner's musical chant from the beginning of the movie and soundtrack was actually an old recording of a chain gang. No kidding. Yes. So it's a very old recording from like 1910, 1920, something like that. That's the, They were playing the actual recording in the movie or they were singing That's what they what were singing? That's what it sing- says. Oh, wow. It was actually an old recording of a chain gang, yeah. That's uh, yeah. that's interesting. Almost as interesting as our next fact here, which is it was originally inspired by The Wizard of Oz, this movie was. Joel Cohen revealed as much at the 15th anniversary reunion. He quote, It started as a three saps on the run kind of movie, and then at a certain point we looked at each other and said, You know, they're trying to get home. Let's just say this is the Odyssey. We were thinking of it more as the Wizard of Oz. We wanted the tag on the movie to be "There's no place like home." Oh, <laughs> I can see that the, the Tin Man, the Cowardly Lion, and you know the the Scarecrow. Yep. So who's Dorothy so, then? I don't know. All right, or even Toto. Anyways, but yeah, that was. That leads into this next one. Um, the Cohen brothers never actually read the Odyssey. Uh, Tim Blake Nelson read it twice while attending Brown University. Before they asked him to play Delmar, the Cohen sent Nelson the script and asked him for advice. The two used the comic book version of the Homer's epic when writing their script. <laughs> oh my gosh, that is hilarious. Yeah, like I said at the top, it's loosely based on the Odyssey. Yeah. Yeah, the and the directors are even loosely doing everything. <laughs> right. But they I think these guys were genius in the way they wrote this movie. So whatever they did, they did it right. It was creative, it was clever, and I definitely give you that. Um Let's see here. At the end, Everett's line, quote, finding one little ring in the middle of all that water is one hell of a heroic task, end quote. That's a reference to the legend of Theseus, who had to find a golden ring at the bottom of the ocean to prove he was the son of Poseidon. Yep. Look at you, Terry, pulling out the mythology facts. I did it for you, bud. Thank you. (laughs) Especially since we're talking like Odyssey stuff like that. All right. Let's see here. Um... Yeah, I talked about how they won the Grammy. The music became surprisingly a huge hit for the movie's music, and even before they'd finished the script, the Coens turned to musician-producer T-Bone Burnett, whom they had worked with on The Big Lebowski in 1998. And alongside with singer-songwriter Jillian Welch, Burnett found the songs for the movie. So, yeah, and with that, they won the Grammy, sold 8 million copies. I just left that part out earlier. Okay. All right, and on to the cow fact. All right. The American Humane Society couldn't believe the cow wasn't real. A representative watched the scene where the cow gets hit by a car ten times, <laughs> even after being told the cow was digitally created. Eventually, eventually, the organization was convinced after they saw how it was digitally created. 
It does look really real. Very convincing. Yeah. At first glance, I was like, wait, did they really hit a cow? No, they couldn't do that. This is a movie. Funny, you can't hit a cow, but you can kill it and chop it up and serve it in catering. Yeah. Mm, Details, details, details. Yeah. Anyways, that's all the ones I could find on this movie, and I couldn't find any casting notes on this. If I, I, I mean, I mentioned George Clooney sounded like they seeked him out for this role. So yeah, you might even say they sought him out. But I, yeah, leave me alone. <laughs> uh, I have one final question. Do you have any final questions, Terry? I don't. Um, what other? Here's the final question. This is for you, Terry. What other great ancient stories do you think would make good, would ha- could be made into good modern day adaptations? Hmm. Ancient stories, like we're talking, like I'm thinking way yeah. back in. Dang. I mean, outside of I the mean, Bible, which all those stories have been made into movies. I was yeah. thinking of things like. Uh, there's well, so I, many movies. What's that? I know what I would choose, but I, nobody else is going to choose it but me. Yeah, I mean, there's so many different Shakespeare things that have been taken and remade. There's so many classic works of literature that have been taken and made into a movie or a TV show. It, it's hard for me to find one because, hell, I don't read. And, I mean, the things I have read, which were forced upon me, like Great Expectations, which was a good book. I enjoyed it. Uh, I've never seen a film version of it that I enjoyed, but I, what I like, and I guess the reason I thought of this question is because you know me, I, I, well, well established. I love classic literature, but a lot of it doesn't translate well to modern time because so much of it is placed specifically and, and rooted pretty firmly in the time that it's written. For example, you know. One that one that one that has managed to escape that is a, you know the famous one, which is a Christmas Carol, which it's firmly yep. rooted in that time. But its themes you can extract it, you can change it out. You don't always have to have Scrooge beat in that in that time for it to work, because you can reimagine it with like with the movie Scrooge with Bill Murray, where it's completely turned on its head and reimagined. I was thinking along those lines because you know you're not going to get well. We we just did it with 1984. It's hard mm-hmm. to transfer stuff from a different from one era to the next as far as a film, a movie going experience. Now the books last forever, and it doesn't matter because when you read it, that's what's great about these books is they take you to that time. You understand that time. You don't feel like you're um, out of place by visiting that time. But movies don't have necessarily the ability to do that as well because you don't have the narrator's voice you know don't have all the uh the sub you know the subtext you can't you know you can't hear people's thoughts like you can when you're reading the book with that in mind the one that i want is paradise lost by john milton and it's never been done i don't know that it ever has been done and it's certainly never been done hasn't been done in recent time there have been i think video games maybe that have at least stolen the name but as far as I know, there's never been a film adaptation of Paradise Lost because the appeal of Paradise Lost in a literary sense is because of its prose, because it's written in the uh, heroic uh, English, as a, as a heroic epic poem. 
And so uh, it's, it's the point of Paradise Lost is the language used to describe things and the way his verse and his his prose goes, the way he says things. That's the biggest appeal of Paradise Lost. Uh, but the story, I think, could be translated in a right way if you reimagined it, not necessarily even just as a, you know, just angels fighting demons. I think you could reimagine it in a certain way where you could use that and and do something. That would be one that I would like to see somebody like the Coen brothers or, or another talented director or screenwriter be able to tackle. Um, I think a reimagine, like you said, Shakespeare's been copied and pasted for, you know, decades now. I mean, he's, you know, 10 Things I Hate About You is is basically the taming of the shrew. Um, you've even had blatant covers like, well, William Shakespeare's Romeo and Juliet with Leonardo DiCaprio reimagined, reimagines Verona in a modern time, but the characters yeah. and the dialogue are all still the same, which I thought was brilliant. I loved yeah. that movie. You got to know there's somebody out there with a script right now. It's, they're trying to get bought with this. I mean, it's it's got to be written somewhere. Yeah, I, Someone's I got a script so. out there. There's scripts uh, everywhere, all yeah. over Hollywood that just Paradise sit Lost there for so, years. Paradise Lost is so unapologetically Christian and religious in nature that it's hard probably for Hollywood to get on board. Um, yeah. <clears throat> but um, Milton was just a flat-out genius, and so it's you can't really suppress that. But uh, that's why I would imagine there's probably not a high priority to seek the, the – uh, reinterpretation of paradise lost another one would be um dante's divine comedy which uh is the the virgil the 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 spirit of virgil takes dante on a vision and takes him down into hell up to purgatory up to paradise and i think that one you could do because you could just so many opportunities in uh inferno to basically just denounce anybody you don't like because that's what he does when he's down in hell is he's just meeting people and they were people that were real figures from the time that he wrote which is one of the reasons he had to leave verona because he had a death sentence because of some of the people that he put in hell <laughs> in his book yeah i i know this may sound but yeah you could definitely could make a comedy out of that to oh be yes you could like it's a straight comedy out of it to and where people would be laughing hard and I, the right writing behind it, it could be something pretty great. I mean, how how much do you think that how, it wouldn't take much for them to put in hell where the where Dante encounters uh, President Trump or encounters Hillary Clinton in hell? And you know that's going to be in there. Speaking of which, I just thought of the name. If you were to do a comedy, it's Dante from Clerks. With his friend, and then Jay and Silent Bob are along for the ride, too. I wonder if Kevin Smith already thought of this. <laughs> I mean, you know he has a religious background. He saw Dogma, right? Dogma was great. I wish I owned it on DVD. Yeah, because none of his movies are streaming anywhere. Except for well, that one, that one in particular is impossible to find streaming. Dogma? But you can buy it on eBay. Yeah. <laughs> And I've thought about doing that. Many <laughs> I love that times movie too. Even as you know, my so my good. religious beliefs, I a lot of his people people are upset, but I, I appreciate somebody taking a different stab. And like I said, even if I disagree with someone, I like hearing about how they think or why they feel yeah. the way they do, and poking humor into it, and right. that's what makes it fun because we all should be able to laugh at ourselves. Yep. No matter what the thing is. 
All right. Well, any other thoughts for you, Terry? I think you should give this movie another chance. Um, repeated watches. I know there's a lot to choose from. We're overloaded with what we can. We have to choose from. It's hard to. For it's, you know, yeah. the days are maybe that's just it, Terry. Maybe the days of rewatching movies over and over again is just done. Unless it's there's very done. Few. It's just but, not uh, as common they... because you you know you used to have to invest the money to buy a DVD. You didn't have this like mm-hmm. a thousand choices on to push a button. So you picked out the DVDs yeah. of the movies you liked, or you came across the movie and you watched it on DVD. And so then you just you know when you have nothing else to watch, you just throw it on again. I don't think that happens yeah. as much anymore because you got I've got ten thousand different things I would like to watch at this point. I've been you know mm-hmm. you've recommended things to me. Other people have recommended things to me. Uh, it was uh, so it's hard to to keep up with the stuff you want to watch, let alone yeah. the stuff that you've already watched before. So yeah. if you I give it another wa- chance, yeah. I try to rewatch some things that I really like. Some shows that we get back into and rewatch it again, you know. Uh, like Breaking Bad. I mean, I'm kind of due for another rewatch on that so already. So am I. It's been, it's been a little bit since. I've watched it twice from start to finish. So Yeah, uh, but yeah, a lot of movies. I want to watch Top Gun Maverick again. I just I watched it. Back we watched it with the boys. It's so good. Yeah. Yeah, Ruby was telling me that she saw it. I'm like, when'd you see it? And she's like, over oh, at Grandma Bird's. <laughs> like, oh, okay. <laughs> you saw? She's like, we watched both of them. I'm like, oh, all right. <laughs> Hopefully, you skipped the scene was, on the first one. Yeah, that decision was made for me. Oh, speaking of which, uh, yeah. So that little talk you had to have with Zeke several months oh, back. Oh yeah. Yeah. I, she she just kept asking lots of questions again recently. Oh, I was no. at work. Sarah texted me. Hey, can I can I talk to her about that? And I said, uh, I mean, if you want to, I mean, if you want me there, uh, I'm I'll be there. But I mean, if you feel comfortable doing it, and she she gave her the basic details, and then of course she had the kind of response. So you and Dad, <laughs> yeah, same thing. <laughs> you guys, you guys are weird. Right, <laughs> and she, you want to know anything else anymore? She know. I, she's like, I think I'm good for now. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> That's almost the exact same response Dante had. I said, uh, do, you, "Do you have any questions about this?" I don't think I want to have any questions about that. <laughs> so, oh. so she knows. She just asks so many questions. She's right. so inquisitive. Oh yeah. And when I was a kid, it was just like, yeah, it's, it's something. I don't know what it is, but I'm just going to keep enjoying life. But you know what? Yeah, it's been. It's, I don't know if we, if we were even, and we were exposed to it more than even our parents were, and it gets worse every generation. The level of satur. I mean, Eternals. They had a sex scene in Eternals. Um, yeah, Ruby. I remember looking up at me, and it's all you see is from just a just yeah. beneath the shoulders up, and that's all right. you see. So it's not like they're like laying on top of each other, kissing. It's like. You didn't see body parts, but that's not even the point I'm trying to make. Um, yeah, they're just they're doing it, and what are they doing? Yeah, it's Kissing. inundated, you know. So I guess is is bound to happen. Now I, I would imagine, and, and I'm I'm meant already trying to try to set myself up to be able to mentally prepare myself someday with Phoenix. I have to have that talk, but with girls, you almost have to have it sooner than later because. You know, nature is going to demand that they know what's going on at a fairly younger age now. I mean, yeah, eleven years old sometimes. Yeah, I'm sure that talk's coming here sometime in right. 2023. Yeah, so uh, which is crazy to think about. That is so young. 
And, uh, but yeah, nature demands that they're going to have to know what's going on. Boys can be oblivious (laughs) for a lot longer. And, uh, but, uh, not girls. All right. Well, uh, let's move on then to our Rushmore for tonight. We decided I, I, when I, when I suggested this, Terry, I don't really think I really thought it through. We may share off of, we may share three of them. I think so. Well, at least two. At least two. I did. I thought there would be a little bit more variance to this, but we decided our rush would be George Clooney performances, and he's just been around so long. But then you also realize that that it's his career is very spaced out. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, a lot of his movies. I when I was going through this list of all his filmography, I was thinking. Eh. Yeah. <laughs> On a lot of these movies, I'm like, I like these. I, I, I like this one, this one, this one. And it's like, man, I was struggling to get four. And I was like, okay, I'm glad I got four because I got these four I actually did enjoy. And I have and no alternates, so we're just going to go. I'll tell you right now, Ocean's Eleven for me yeah. was on there because that was a great movie. And I could have put all three of them on there, but I wasn't going to do that. Uh, that would have been cheating. Yes. Uh, so, yeah, Ocean's Danny Ocean, he was he made mine as well. You're right, though. I think with Clooney, he spent so much time on TV, and then trans, you know, transferred into movies. That you know, he's had a couple of great movies, and but he's just maybe it's because he's just so handsome. And he just looks like a movie star that we just assume that everything <laughs> he's been in is that good. Yeah, I think he's that, a very that handsome might be man. It. Yeah, so I gave him some tips. Yeah, I did not. Uh, but yeah, this, uh, so yes. Okay. We said oceans 11. That was on mine. Terry, uh, Dr. Ross from ER. uh, You you say performances. I thought you said movies. No, I said performances specifically because I wanted to include his performances in ER. Well, I'm going to knock off my number three here and we'll make that an alternate. Okay. I'm I'm a, a Dr. Ross ER for sure. I, I for some reason just thought it was movies. Uh yeah. Dr. Ross ER for Did sure. We went through and watched all fifteen seasons. I'm gonna check make sure I And granted he's wrong. out of it after like four or five or something like that. Clooney but, rolls is what I said. Oh, okay. All yeah. right. So yeah. But then yeah, he comes back at the end of some season. Him and Julianne Margulies had after they'd moved to Oregon, or no, he had moved to Oregon, and she is leaving the show, and yeah, she sees him, and I was like, oh my gosh, he actually came back for a cameo appearance. I now thought that was very classy star. too, because you know it was the, it too. was the show. I mean, he had been on TV before. He was on the Roseanne show, uh, Facts of Life, Facts of Life. Yes, yeah. so he well. had, he had done some TV, that, but you know, I you always worry like with these stars sometimes they forget where they came from, and you know, like especially like David Caruso. Who like oh just like crapped all over this TV show he was on just to get to Hollywood, and then this flamed out in Hollywood was he by NYPD Blue no yeah it was NYPD Blue he was on David Caruso before he yeah he to quit. start with yeah and, and then he went to Hollywood and it just didn't work out as well but I liked the fact that he came back to ER to say goodbye I thought that was mm-hmm. a sign of respect to the show that really made him a star a huge star yeah uh, Steve Carell did that too with The Office. Yeah, did not have to come back, but chose to come back because that was a, uh, you know, such a big force, a big reason why he became as big a star as he was. And so I thought that shows a lot of class. I can't believe you came. Yeah, 
That's what she said. That's what she said. <laughs> All right. So here's the other one I think we might share. And uh, it's from Dust Until it Dawn. Absolutely. It's a great movie. That movie's awesome. <laughs> great movie. Great role. He plays the bad guy, but you don't know how bad he is. He starts off as a bad guy, and you're not used to seeing Clooney like that. That tattoo that he has for the movie is just phenomenal. And then, of course, oh, he yeah. ends up being like the good guy throughout towards the end because he turns out to hurt a vampire bar, which I did not yeah. see coming when I watched that movie. Exact. That's exactly what I was going to say because when my very first watch of this, I had, nobody had told me anything about it. Said it was a cool movie, and I was just like, "What the heck is going on?" Right. I thought I didn't realize this was going to happen. I, I thought it was some other movie completely, but yeah, that was a huge twist, and he did a good job not uh, giving any, too many clues on what was going on. It was just it just happened, and you're like. Whew. What? And he really pulls off in the first part of this movie that dangerous, you know, bad guy vibe without being like, you know, cartoonish about like Tarantino's a great director, not a very good actor. But uh but I like the way Clooney was able to pull off where you thought, okay, yeah, this guy would not hesitate to kill everybody in the room and you get that kind of vibe from him without him being over the top with it. And plus we had the scene with Sama Hayek, which might be the <laughs> One of the greatest scenes in movie history. <laughs> Salma Hayek, she still looks good. She's what in her fifties now, and she still yep. looks great. She still looks a lot better than I do, and I'm yeah, still in my forties. Yeah, yeah. Um, even Salma Hayek can't say the Eternals. You know they're making Eternals too. Yeah, it's a point. Well, the first one sucked so bad. I was hoping they were going to pretend it didn't exist anymore. See, uh, that might be the first Marvel movie. And that movie dragged, too. Dragged. That movie was like being hung. Oh, my God. It's like being dragged from the back of a truck over gravel road with beer bottles being thrown at you and acid rain falling on you, all while nothing but Mbop by Hanson plays loudly on speakers. Plot twist, Rob has Hanson on his top 25 on episode 100. <laughs> yeah, uh, Eternals 2 might be the first Marvel movie that I don't go see. I understand. I just, I'll let you know. I really did not like the first one at all. But uh, I probably will. Maybe they'll improve upon what they the, that weren't strong I don't points. want that whole storyline in the MCU, I think, is what bothers me. I was hoping they would just abandon it. I don't want to see Harry Styles. In the MCU, the more the more movies and shows that have come out, the more it makes sense that the Eternals would be in it. So, yeah, I don't know. It was a swing and a miss for me. I'll probably still go see it. I'm all talk because Dante want to go, and we have a tradition, and I'm not going to break tradition. Absolutely not. So I'm just chomping at the bit to go see Quantum Mania. So yeah, that'll be fun. That one'll be fun. Okay, my last spot on Rushmore's one that obviously won't be on yours because I already we spent the last hour and a half talking about it and I had Old Brother Where Art Thou which is to tip my hat my favorite George Clooney performance is Old Brother Where Art Thou I had a feeling I had a feeling uh, mine was his performance with Sandra Bullock in the movie Gravity okay he's barely like in that, that movie. movie yeah he's in it enough okay yeah, he's in it. Not as much as Sandra Bullock, but right. he's in there for quite a while. I guess he is in there. I, now that I'm remembering it, he is in there more than I thought. Yeah. 
I guess it, it, it kind of... It, he's not real in most of the movie. She's imagining him in most of the movie. Maybe that's what threw me off. Yeah, he. Uh, yeah, it, it was a it was a solid movie. I, I only saw it the one time, but I remember after it was over, thinking I was, yeah, it was a lot better than I expected. If it, it that felt like it was going to drag, and it kept me on on the edge of my seat too. You know, I liked it. <coughs> Anyways, I was struggling to find other stuff. I also had my alternate burn after reading. That was just a a wild movie. It was all <laughs> over the place. Br- and Brad Pitt. It was an indie. Yes, I uh, have. I have seen that. Yeah. Yeah, that was a wild movie. I did say, like, oh, Brother Warata is my favorite Clooney performance, but Danny Ocean is phenomenal, too. You know, we, we breezed past that a little bit. We didn't really talk much about it, but Ocean's 11, 12, and 13 are all great movies. And yeah. Clooney was born to play so a character like Danny Ocean. Yeah, he's pretty one-dimensional. He ain't winning Oscars for Danny Ocean, but, right. yeah, he plays it very well. <laughs> you just buy it. You just buy it. The guy's... You know, ridiculously handsome. He looks like what a movie star should look like. He acts and talks how a movie star. You know, it's just it's it just comes too easy to him. So, uh, he's he's definitely, I think, has you know, has the potential still to be one of those guys like like Clark. Uh, not what was I saying? Clark Gable, Jimmy Stewart, those kind of guys. Yeah. That kind of old school Hollywood movie star type. That's Clooney's got that written all over him. He does. So he need. I think he needs a couple more great movies. Maybe he needs a good sentimental one, like you know, something along the lines of a, "It's a Wonderful Life" or something like that that, that endures. Where I think Oh Brother Where Art Tower is going to endure because I think it's a brilliant performance. Um, Ocean's Eleven is going to endure. Dust Till Dawn probably won't because of a lot of people won't be able to get past the fact that half the way through the movie it turns into a vampire movie, and it's not even great vampire costumes. Or makeup. Uh, they'll they'll love it. <laughs> so, all right. Well, Terry, tell us what we're going to be viewing next week. All right. Well, we're going to travel back to February eleventh, nineteen ninety nine. Ninety nine. And you're gonna you're gonna say to yourself that they don't know that we know they know we know. We're doing another Friends episode. Yes. The one where everybody finds out. That is exactly the name of the episode. And that was a very fun episode. Because the back and forth in that was just comic gold. And so I I liked that episode a lot. And I, I told you I was doing you a service this week. <laughs> I said, you're gonna I guarantee you're going to like next week's choice. Uh, what season was that? I know was Friends is one of your favorite. Uh, season five. That is a episode great episode. Fourteen. That's a great episode. That's definitely in my list of like favorite Friends episodes. Yeah, mine too. So I was either that or Vegas. The, one with the or prom London. video is probably the my second videos, favorite. That one's a little more heartfelt behind it. This one is too, but it's more. I think there's a lot more humor in it as well. Yeah, but the prom video is funny just for other reasons. <laughs> Chandler. And Phoebe, in this episode, both deserve Emmys for this performance. Yes. It is perfect. Yep, perfect. <laughs> that's a good choice. I like we're double dipping friends. Uh, well, 
you said we needed to come back to it, and I was oh, yeah. racking my brain. I'm thinking, man, do we go music? Do we? I don't really want to do a music episode before the big one. And I was like, eh, we just did a sports one. I was just trying to think of something else. And there's one I have in mind for Ruby to get, come on and do, but uh, she's got school back again, so yeah, it's gonna be difficult. I was to gonna get do that. I probably should have done it last time. Yeah. So I was like, hey, let's do Friends again. We'll get I Office like again someday. <laughs> I like Almost it a lot. Do a Breaking Bad episode someday. I don't know. I've been thinking about that, Terry. I've been trying to figure out which one I want to do, um, and others. It's hard because I'll they're all so good. Yeah, I'll talk to you after we go off the air because there's something I want to bring up that uh, I think we can do. But uh, yeah, Breaking Bad. I would love to do a Breaking Bad episode. In fact, I wouldn't even mind doing a review of Camino, El Camino. But you can't yeah. really talk about El Camino unless you know the whole story of Breaking Bad. Otherwise, it's pointless. So, yep. um, there's others that we can, yeah. So I like, I like, we need to kind of not forget to dip back into TV because there's so many more office episodes we could do as well. Yeah. We can even go back further and do like season finales of things like Cheers, uh, Frasier, Seinfeld, that sort of thing. And yeah. there's Seinfeld episodes we could go do. I love the puffy shirt Seinfeld episode. I did not watch enough Seinfeld to no, be before you a good. No, it wasn't before my time. It was just I wasn't into Seinfeld as much as everybody else was. Oh, okay, and I it, I'm not gonna lie. Every time I watch Seinfeld, I crack up because the show is great. But I right. never went back and just sat there and went for it. And one of these days, I think I will. I'll be my go to sleep show where I just sit there and watch a few episodes of Seinfeld for months <laughs> until I get to the end. I'm getting ready like right now. This. I'm still. I'm still mowing through the Netflix uh, MCU, you know, which is now on Disney okay. Plus. I've gotten through almost all of them. I'm up to Iron Fist season two now. I still got like the Punisher, Daredevil, do... Jessica Jones. I think those are the only other ones I have to do after this. Their final seasons. I didn't do Iron Fist at all. I think I watched like the first couple... show. Huh? Is it? Yeah. Okay. I did a couple of episodes of Jessica Jones, and it kind of lost me a little bit. Um, but Daredevil. That was a good show. Yeah. Daredevil's amazing. Yeah, I never saw the third season of that, and that's it. So I'm really excited for that one, but I can't well, you watch You never saw it. the third I'm, season of Daredevil? I'm watching them in order right now. So Punisher season one was fantastic. Yeah, I, I guess I could catch up on those, and maybe they can just make me forget about the They're, fact that Eternals 2 is going to get made. Yeah, the... Uh, <laughs> It's a good go to sleep show. There's times where I'm on the same episode for four nights in a row. Right, <laughs> but, <it's>, I mean, <laughs> I do that not enough. But yeah, it's it's been a prog process. I've been doing it since probably September, October. Okay. I might do that because I have I've been kind of in the wasteland. I haven't been involved in any series recently, so yeah, <clears throat> I did watch a couple of things on uh, the Daily Wire Plus. Uh, that are very you would love. I would recommend you watch. It's a you have to subscribe to Daily Wire Plus. So I don't know if you will, but the the his Matt Walsh's documentary "What Is a Woman?" Fascinating. Oh boy. Uh, and he, if you've ever listened, you've never. I don't think you've ever really listened to him, have you? No. So I guess you kind of. I come at it knowing what his kind of dry sense of humor is. He's a very, very understated dry sense of humor, and and it's uh he plays a deadpan throughout this whole movie and uh but that was good and 
eye-opening on a lot of things. And then Candace Owens did an expose on the money during the uh, the George Floyd protests and Black Lives Matter, the money that they raised. And yeah. It's very disturbing hearing about no, the really. way some of that stuff went down. Those were on there, so... But yeah, I love this idea. Going back to Friends, um, can't beat it. And this is a great episode to choose from. Good. All right. Well, did you have anything else to add, Terry? No, I think I'm good. All right. Well, we want to close out once again with prayers for for uh, not Del. I got Delmar brain. It's not even Del- Demar. 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 <laughs> Demar Hamlin. I was about to say Delmar. Uh, prayers for that young man and his family that they would. Uh, they see and experience recovery and you know that they uh, he's able to you know completely retake his life maybe not obviously probably not playing professional football again but at 24 he's got his whole life ahead of him yep so all right for all of our fans out there we appreciate you listening to us we hope you enjoy it as much as we do for retro review with rob and terry i am rob this is terry god bless you and good night